everyone and welcome to the Pet Accountant Podcast with me, your host, Vicky Clark. I'm going to help you get to grips with your finances, save you lots of money and take the stress out of doing your tax return. So let's get going. Welcome to this week. We are both accountants. We help pet businesses across the UK. So this week we thought we would focus on uh, pet walkers, dog walkers, uh, sitters and boarders of all creatures, uh, great and small. So I do find that uh, there's a lot of emphasis on groomers on, on a lot of the social media groups. So we thought we'd um, we'd concentrate on you guys uh, tonight. Well, and any that as well, in all honesty, it's 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 an easy go to thing, isn't it? So yeah, that is that is true. So you've actually, which is really good, posted loads of questions on the group that you wanted answers to. So what we thought we'd do is we will go through those first and answer those. We've already had a debate behind the scenes about some of the uh, some of the answers, but and I said to Lee, you know, we will we will continue that debate on here because it's it's quite fun to watch us bicker. But um right, so we're going to go through these questions first. Um and if you've got anything you want to add or any questions that pop up from what we discuss, then please put them in the comments. Um, I will uh, read the comments as we go through. Right, so let's have a look at the first one. Stand by. Right, this is from Gail, and her question is, uh, can we claim for treats we use on dog walks, which is question number one, and also towel washing? We get through loads of towels when drying off wet, muddy dogs. Can we claim anything for washing them? So question one, can they claim treats? Yeah, absolutely. There's no no shadow of a doubt there. If you yeah. buy in treats for the dogs to keep them under control, to reward them, absolutely, 100% business expense and more than happy to put those through the accounts. Fabulous. That was an easy one. Yeah. And towel washing. Um, yeah, again, this, <clears throat> this is easy um, in terms of, yes, you can claim for washing towels, but it gets a little bit more complex with how we do that. So... There's two steps to it. The first of all is the actual use of the washing machine and the electricity that's used to to wash the towels. That would be encompassed in whichever method you choose when you look at claiming your house utilities. Um, However, if you are looking to buy detergent, what I would recommend is buying detergent that you specifically use for washing the towels and just the towels. And we had this on a a coffee morning chat that we had the other day Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And the reason I say that is because it's very difficult when you buy washing powder and you start diluting it with your personal washes and what is, in essence, your business washes. So if you buy detergent specifically just for your business washes and, you know, you can get a big bottle of big, big um, Daz washing powder for about 16 quid, there's about 80 odd washes. Um, you know, two or three of those a year will will more than will do for your, your towels. Um, and we would happily put that expense through your business. It's where we start to see lots and lots of washing powder where it becomes blatantly obvious that you may be washing your own clothes and you're, you're then trying to claim for all of the washing powder. And, and it's difficult to then apportion what is for business and what is for personal. Whereas if you have one specifically for business and once it's gone, you buy a new one, then that's absolutely fine. And you can also use that argument if HMRC comes knocking that you have, you've bought two, one for personal use, one for business use, and you don't mix and match them. 
Fabulous. Fabulous. Nice and easy one. I'm smiling because the next one is what we just had a massive debate about, which was quite funny. And it's good when it happens because... It was more of a punch-up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm going to get a black eye tomorrow and came over and wallet me. No, we're lying. Right, here we go. And, th- and th- this is one, and again, it causes a lot of issues um, on all these Facebook groups. And, and, and it just shows you that even accountants, you know, disagree on some of the, the HMRC rules. But here we go. So this is a great one from Emma, and I think someone else asked something similar. I live in my walking leggings, T-shirts and hoodies because I'm working 24-7 and I'm permanently covered in dog hair, mud and slobber. I only wear my nice clothes if going out to the shops, going out or visiting friends, etc. Can I claim for these if they don't have my actual logo on? I've been, I have been doing as I wouldn't buy wear them if I wasn't working doing this job. I don't put uh, my logo on currently as I live in fear of being followed home and then being targeted for dog theft. Bit dramatic maybe, but I overthink everything. So this is a great one, and this is where we slightly differ, and we just want to make sure that you all know that the HMRC standpoint is very black and white. You cannot claim for clothing that is not logoed um, and is not protective. So basically, your everyday Fresh clothing. Answer, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that is HMRC standpoint. You cannot claim for that those clothing, those leggings, hoodies. Um, joggers that aren't logoed um, and aren't class of protective clothing. Now, the, uh, this is where it, the, oh, the issue arises around the fact that just because you choose not to wear them during everyday life, you have the ability to. And HMRC's argument is that if something is logoed, you are less likely to wear that to a social event because it has been specifically designed for work. And that's where that separation comes in. But please tell them lies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling them lies. So right, this is my opinion on it, right? And I'm sure there's other accountants out there that will agree, and I'm sure there's others that will disagree. And, you know, I, I just want to make sure that this is not what HMRC says. This is what Vicky says, right? You know, HMRC is very clear. In my opinion... Dog walkers, dog groomers, just as an example, are going to get covered in dirt, piss, shit, mud, grass, slobber, you know, all day, every day because of the job that you do. You're outside all day, you're walking in all weathers, you know, you're with dogs all day, bathing them, washing them. You're going to get covered in crap. Now, for me, and and I've done this for clients, if you're putting through a couple of pairs of leggings and a couple of hoodies and aren't going mad with like Christian Louboutin hoodies and coats and shoes, then for the sake of 30, 40 quid for a couple of pairs of leggings, I'd put them through because in my head, it's justifiable because of the job role that you do. It'd be a bit different for me, at least sat here going, um, you know, I'm going to pay for jeans and stuff because we sit in our arse all day in a nice warm office, you know, so that we, I clearly wouldn't be able to justify, hence why it's got the logo on. So in my opinion, I think you should be able to, and I have put a few bits and bobs through. I haven't gone mad. 
And I think in my if, if HMRC were to ever ask, you know, Vicky, why have you done that? I would tell them the same argument. You know, it's your job. You're out in the wilderness getting covered in piss and shit. You know, what to harm of putting a couple of pairs of leggings through? So <laughs> that's my argument. And I feel that it should be a bloody good one. And I'm going to go to HMRC and tell them, you know, as an accountant for pet professionals, you should allow them to put clothing through. Um, but Lee, you know, again, has a very good argument and which I'll go to him for his side. Um, but again, just as a disclaimer, this is not what HMRC allow. It has to be protective or low good. But that is my argument. It is a real difficult one because you can see the arguments from both sides. And I suppose it's it's to prevent abuse of where the doors become open and then what becomes reasonable, because that's one thing HMRC won't define and yet they love the term reasonable but they won't define what reasonable is mm. so it, it you know it's it's to prevent abuse um but the the one of the arguments that i used with vicky earlier on today was that if you were um, an employer and you had employees would you pay for that employee's clothes and then i said yes <laughs> it was rhetorical oh no i was like yeah <laughs> But then if you look at like supermarkets and other places like that, people are generally um, provided with a T-shirt or some sort of jacket. However, they have to provide their own shoes, their own trousers. Um, You know, sometimes they have blouses and other bits and pieces they have to provide themselves. And it's, you know, every walk of life, every day, we have to dress ourselves. And it's 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 that side of HMRC that says, well, if an employee is not allowed to claim it, why should someone that's self-employed be able to claim it? Um, but I definitely see the fact that we we need to realise that your clothes are going to become damaged. Um, uh, but then on the flip side of that, there are things and steps that we can take to mitigate that. We could look at waterproofs over the top of clothes. We could look at trousers that are specifically designed to repel hair. Um, certainly, I know with the dog groomers, they are available, um, but then they may not fit the comfort slash waterproofness for and, and warmth for being outside. And again, that could be one of the arguments that we go back to HMRC with and say, well, we've actually claimed for this because we couldn't find the clothing that we wanted as, as a uniform. And mm. it was the, the closest thing that I could get. Now, what you could do is you could put an inconspicuous logo on them. Um, so we've had trousers in the past from the employer that had a little tiny tag that was sewn into the seam just on the outside. So staring at the trousers, you'd never, have to, you'd never tell. But if you looked at them closely along the seam, it was, I mean, it was tiny. Um, but it was a, a brand and it, and that was technically classed as logoed. Um, so the, the person that asked the question and, and worried about being followed home with dogs, etc., the logos don't have to be big and in your face. They can be inconspicuous. So if you went out and got a waterproof jacket and you wanted a little tiny logo on the arm, that's absolutely fine. It is then logoed and, and uniform, um, you know, so it's 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 playing HMRC at their own rules, and it, it it can be done. So Rachel's has made a very important point on on the comments, which which I said earlier. You know, Rachel's put employees don't normally wee on you, and Rachel, that is exactly <laughs> what I said. 
when he made the supermarket argument, I said, yeah, but they don't get weed on in the supermarket. They don't stand and crap in the supermarket. So, Rachel, exactly the same argument, and I'm with you. But like Lee said, you know, there are little things you can get around it, the waterproof clothing, um, putting a teeny tiny logo on it and then claiming that. So there are ways around it. But like I say, some of these things are grey areas, even for us. And, you know, as long just don't take the mick with it. You know, like I said, I do it, but there are little ways around it. So that's just what HMRC's standpoint is. Um, the main point of this as well is that if you are buying clothes, make sure they're not branded. You don't want a big logo of somebody else's like North Face, for argument's sake, or Mountain Warehouse, because these are branded clothes with 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 what is sports brands and, and, and designer labels. They are definitely not allowed. OK, fab. Um, Leanne's put, can I claim charges of having the uniform personalised with the logo? Um, potentially, yeah, because then that becomes... That's no different to you than buying um, some specific trousers from a, an embroiderer who's just going to put the logo on them for you anyway. So that's yeah. absolutely fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I hope that clears that one up because we've had a couple about clothing. Um, right. This is a really another good, important one, especially if you're um, a dog walker and you've got vans. Uh, this is from Juliet. Vans and cars are sole trader business use. How to put through initial purchase depreciation Ooh, depreciation is a nice one um so uh first of all i'm going to tell you that depreciation doesn't exist and it doesn't has no effect on your accounts or your profits whatsoever um unfortunately uh it's it's an item that we have to include in the accounts because it shows the value of the asset depreciating over a period of time but when we come to work out your taxes the depreciation is added back in as if it was never there so what you're receiving is when you purchase the van and we opt for two methods. We either go for annual investment allowance and we claim the value 100% of the van in the period in which you bought it and we'll offset that against your profits. Or we will claim 18% write-down allowance where every year we will claim 18% of the van on a reducing balancing basis and offset that 18% against your taxes in that year. Um, so. The way that you record it is depending on how you've purchased the van, but ultimately the full cost of the van will go into your accounts use as an asset and you receive the tax benefit via annual investment allowance or um, write-down allowance unless you're on the cash basis, in which case you can put the value of the van straight in your accounts. So it's really important that you understand what basis you're preparing your accounts on to start with. And again, this is probably not the right time to go through that tonight because it's 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 long and convoluted. Um, but ultimately, even if you buy the van with a loan, the, the full value of the van still goes into the accounts, whether or not it's on the cash basis or the 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 um, write down allowance basis, because it'll either go as an expense or as an asset. But ultimately, it's the full value of the van would go into the accounts. If you paid on a loan, the loan would also go into the account. So you've gained an asset worth 20 grand, but you've also got a loan of 20 grand. And then when you start paying the, the loan back, it's actually the loan that's getting smaller and smaller and nothing's happened to the van. Fabulous. It is slightly different with cars, though, if people are using their yes. cars. 
Um, again, that goes on CO2 emissions and, and all sorts of stuff. And again, it would probably take us a whole session to actually talk through that in itself. Um, I know generally dog walkers tend to have vans, so I hope that's cleared up. If you have bought a van and you're not sure how to put it in your accounts, because that can make a massive difference to your um, tax bill. So if you have got a van uh, and you're not quite sure, then please speak to uh, an accountant or bookkeeper or you can message us um, so that we can help you with how you need to to write that down in your accounts, because I would say that can make a massive difference. Um, hi, Jack. He's just giving us a wave. Hi, Jack. Right. Next one. How do you put, oh, this is from Julia again. How do you put cash expenses through, like, uh, balloting your vehicle? Um, in terms of processing it through the, pay, the the software or just in general? I'm not entirely sure, but I'm wondering if she means... If you get it and you don't get a receipt, maybe I don't know. Okay, I'm I've had sure. this a couple of times with clients, and it's really difficult. But usually, I get it when clients say I've bought something but I didn't get a receipt, um, but it's a physical item. So what I would generally say is take a picture of it and write on the picture how much you paid for it, and then that's your proof that you've got the item and the value that you've paid for it, and then we can include it in the accounts. Um, if you're asking how you put a cash purchase through into the accounts in into your software. It depends on what software you're using, but ultimately you can create a cash account, um, just the same as a bank account in there, and you can go in and add a transaction of a spend money for the value of that thing that you've purchased. Um, it does create a little bit of a liability at the back end when you come to do your self-assessment, but we would just move that out to drawings to balance it back off at the end of the year again for yourselves. You probably lost people with that, Lou. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just ignore that last bit. Um, just but yeah, we jargon in there. <laughs> yeah, I well, know. Everyone's like, what? You had me there, and then you just completely lost me in the last minute. Um, but yes, depending on your software, you can create a cash account. What we would say is don't ever, ever, ever do a manual transaction on your live bank feed account so that the, your bank account is connected to free agent, for example. If you start messing with that and adding in and taking away stuff, then it's not going to balance, and then you get into a whole world of issues. So create a cash account. Again, we've done lives on this. We will have courses coming out um, in the next few months, hopefully, um, to teach people how to use zero and free agent. Um, so just keep your eyes peeled for those if you want to learn about that. Uh, Debbie, another sort of similar clothing one, walking shoes and boots, um, <laughs> waterproof coat, dog walking bag. Again, I was like, surely to God, let's put the boots through. They have to walk all day in mountains and fields. <laughs> and Lee was like, no. And I was like, well, I'm putting them through anyway. Um, again, it's the same argument we had the last time. It, you know, technically, it's a no. It's dual usage. However you look at shoes, it's dual usage. But we'll just revert back to Exhibit A earlier about the clothing. <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll leave it to your discretion. Yeah. Um, right. <clears throat> this is from Natalia. Can we clean Please the history? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am protecting you. I am stopping yes. HMRC from shaking you down. <laughs> I know. I will fight HMRC to the death. Right. Um, right. This is from Natalia. Can we claim for heating in any horse barns we have for our own horses, like the ex chancellor did? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't even know where to start with that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a curveball. I wasn't expecting yeah, that. Um, um, <laughs> my initial gut feeling is no with that one because no. you said that they're your personal <laughs> horses. Um, if they're not used in the business, then anything personal is is can't be claimed. Yeah. Um, Rachel's just put Lee is so strict, laughy face. I know. <laughs> Imagine working with him. He doesn't let me buy anything. <laughs> right. Um, another one from Natalia. If we claim as cash only basis for a percentage of household business expenses like water, council tax, mortgage, rent, broadband, etc., does it mean that all these bills have to come out of our business account? So can you read that again? Sorry, I didn't. Yeah, sorry. So bit. if if they're using cash basis. Okay. For a percentage of household business expenses, like you know your um, gas, water, electric, does it mean that these have to come out of the person's account they're using for business, their bank no. account? No. Um, so when you use the cash basis, you recording expenses as and when you in, you incur them. With regards to the use of home, because you pay for those things personally anyway and it's your primary residence, then you generally wouldn't record all of those expenses at the time that you incur that cost. So the use of home element would come in at, at, when you do your self-assessment at the back end, um, and you'd have to do some complex calculations to work out what it is you're physically allowed to claim, irrespective of what you've actually paid out from your personal account for the energy and the water the council tax, the rent, the mortgage interest, the the broadband. Um, so you, you've got to work out what you're allowed to claim of that to start with before you can put that into your account. So it makes no difference whether it came out of your business account or your personal account um, because you'd have to change the values anyway. Fabulous. Um, right, this one from Merca. Can we claim car insurance, service and petrol expenses or mileage? Um, it's either or. So if as long as you've got an uh, one of the things that clients seem to forget with regards to this is that if they're doing 45 pence a mile, they should keep a mileage log of some description. Um, there is one in the group. I did put it, it in the files. Yes. And, and it's really important that that is completed for every single journey that you go on that's business related. And the reason I say that is HMRC will query the value that's put through for motor expenses. And unless you have a mileage log that dictates what day it was, how many miles it was, or where you went, and the reason for the trip, they will disallow the, mo- the mileage claim. And that could be thousands of pounds. So, yes, you need a mileage log. And yes, you can claim 45 pence a mile. There is an app called Mile IQ, which I'm an avid fan of. I put it on my phone and it's like a dating app. You swipe left or swipe right at the end of the day for business and personal trips. Um, and it records everything for me. So if I ever got investigated for my mileage, I would just go back to the app and show HMRC where I went and what I was doing on that day. Um, so I'm covered from that side. Um, if you're claiming, and this is the important bit, if you're claiming actual expenses of the vehicle, you must put every single receipt through, even if you filled the car up for personal usage. You've got to put everything through. What we then do at the end of the year is you need to tell us the split between business and personal mileage, and then we will apportion 
that total cost that you've put through, usually on an 80-20% split for argument's sake, 20% being personal, 8% being business, we would then take out 20% of the cost so that your personal element has gone and what's left is the allowable business expense that we can claim. Um, but in order to work that out, HMRC again will come and say, well, how did you establish the business and personal split? And what you could do is over a period of a couple of months, keep the mileage log. So you, But you'd have to record personal and business on the mileage log. And then you can say, well, X amount was personal, X percent was business. And therefore, at the end of the year, I'm confident that when I tell you that I've done 80% of business mileage, I can claim for 80% of all of the receipts that I've put through. What clients generally do is only put the odd petrol receipt through when they think it's for business rather than putting absolutely everything through that they've put into that car. So really important, if you filled it up with, with, with petrol, with diesel, you always put the receipt through your accounts and then we'll adjust for it at the end. Fab. And Mile IQ, I think Jack's put it in the comments as well. It's a really, yeah. really good app. Um, I have put a spreadsheet in the group and the files, but again, you know, you take your ages, buddy, filling that out. So um get the Mile IQ app. Um because it, like it is brilliant. A month. So it's not gonna break the bank, but honest to God, the I have claimed more in mileage with the Mile IQ app than what I did previously keeping a log, purely and simply because if I nip down to a client, if I if I nip to the shop because we need milk in the office, that's allowable. And before I wouldn't have bothered putting that down, but it's like two and a half miles there, two and a half, that's five miles. So that adds up over the course of a week and then you take that into a year, you will save more than what you spend on the app. And it is an allowable expense. Yes, it is. So there you go. Um, right. Um there's a couple of questions here. I'm hopefully not going to digress too much. Uh, from Judith, hi, I'm a dog walker and also licensed home boarder. I only home board for dogs I walk, so it's not very regular recurrence. How do I go about claiming for using my home for business in this case and what can I claim for? So this is a really good um, question, Judith, and one that I think was coming up next about claiming use of house um, as a dog walker or a dog boarder, because I feel like the calculations for those are going to be different because a dog walker is going to be out the house most of the day and obviously a dog boarder is going to be in the house most of the day. So if we start with the dog walker, uh, what would you suggest, Lee, if you're a dog walker and you're out most of the day but you want to claim for the utilities and the use of house? The dog walker, I would say, look, let's look at the flat rate expenses that HMRC offers, which is, I think, £6 a week at the moment if you if you do over 100 hours a month at, at home. And the reason I say that is because if you're out of, out of the house walking all day and it's the same as joiners and builders, you're not physically there in the house using the electricity, using the gas, and therefore to try and claim for that, HMRC might turn around and say, well, hang on a second something's not quite right here because it doesn't add up. Mm -hmm. So if you're a dog walker that doesn't use the house very much, and yes, you might use it for um, sending out your invoices, contacting your customers, looking at next week's bookings. So there will be that element of it. But if you're walking dogs and you're spending hundreds of hours a month in the house, something's not quite right. So it, it's, it's, it's going to be more beneficial and, and less of a red flag to claim that sort of method. Fabulous. 
what about then if on the flip side of that if you're a dog boarder right. and obviously you've got loads of dogs in the house all day the heating's obviously got to be on yeah. electric water and all that sort of stuff that's where we need to start look at the actual expenses and looking at percentage of uses of rooms for business use um because the six pound a week just isn't going to scratch the surface um, with the amount that you're spending in the house yeah. to get the water. Um, you know, it, it's just it's just not. So what we would do is we have a spreadsheet that is going to be coming out shortly um, that we're, we're putting together at the moment. It will be available to buy. Um, and what it does is it allows you to list all of your bills over the 12 month period from April to April or rather from April to March. Um you can list your electricity, your water, your broadband, your council tax, your mortgage rent, um, your house insurance. And I think there's a couple of other bits in there as well. It works out what you've spent as a total of all of those. It then allows you to list the rooms in your house that's habitable that you use. And then you can put a percentage of, of how that room is split business to personal usage wise. And it will calculate a figure that you can put in your accounts that, that then works out how much per room for business uses that you can physically claim. And because it's a, a, a measurable and concise and consistent way of doing the calculation, if HMRC again comes knocking and asking, how did you calculate that figure? You can just show them the calculations on the spreadsheet and you know, you, you've, you've approached it methodically and consistently. And it's reasonable. <laughs> Yeah, yes, and it's reasonable. Um, yes, it's um, it's one of those questions we get a lot about utilities and how to calculate them. It's probably one of those things that people are really underdoing, especially if you're working from home a lot, like a, a groomer or a boarder. Um, so it's something that we've purposely went went away and created something so that's easily calculated. And like I say, once that is finished, um, then that will be available. Um, we'll put it out there for you guys to purchase. It's not going to be expensive, um, but it just saves you, you know, hours of time trying to work it out, looking online and and asking people because everyone's going to be different. Um, so we will let you know when that is available. Um, Fiona's put, we're slightly going off topic, but we'll go with actually that Jack asked a question on the mile IQ. He says, if you swipe business, must you put a reason why? No, I generally don't. Um, no. And the reason being is that I can look at the destination. I'd be able to tell HMRC what it was for. So unless you oh, need nice. something to jog your memory, there's no need. All right. Hi, Heidi. Um, Fiona has put, Vicky, I need you to calculate my exact costs with gas, electricity, etc. If you claim mortgage, does that make it liable for capital gains if you sell the house? Um, you can't claim mortgage. You can only claim mortgage interest. And that's so if somebody's renting the, the property, they can actually put the rent cost through. But if you own the property, you're only allowed to include the mortgage interest. So the, the bit that makes it liable to capital gains is where you use one part of the house 100% of the time for business. And again, this was something that came up the other day. And it's what I've said is yeah. when we were in the, 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 the coffee morning is that if you look behind me, you will see that there's a, a large chair there with a little bit of Lego and then a TV on the wall over there. And the reason being is that in my home office, I make sure that this room is dual use and that's really, really important. <laughs> so I will use it for relaxing and watching TV and films in the evening, but during the day it's my workspace. 
So I can claim up to 90% work and 10% relaxation. And because there's the, that, that personal element to it, I'm not liable to capital gains tax over my house when I come to sell it. But if you use a, one room or multiple rooms for 100% of the time for business usage, then that part of the house, when you come to sell the house, would be subject to capital gains. And previously, it didn't make too much of a difference because you had this nice, um, what was called, you, it was £12,300 of uh, allowance that you could offset against your capital gains. This year mm-hmm. from April, HMRC cut it down to 6000 Next year, they cut it down to 3000 So as your house now gains in value, that 3000 allowance could be eaten up really quickly and it's likely that you would have to pay tax, certainly if you're using it 100% for business usage. So basically, you're never using it for 100% usage is what we're saying. Yeah, <laughs> never. Um, just on that topic, if we talk about capital gains and, and capital assets, uh, we had, uh, I have done a live on this um, a couple of, last week, I think it was, um, an impromptu little live, and actually someone actually put it on the thread for this live. Uh, there was a company out there called Zeal who are purposely targeting pet businesses, especially dog boarders, um now they're they're claiming that you're going to get thousands of pounds back on unclaimed capital assets because you're a kennel um you're not a kennel uh please don't entertain the conversation do not sign anything tell them to get lost look at the reviews on Trustpilot for yourself the amount of pet businesses on there that have been scammed we've had a client who accidentally signed something bless her she didn't know what she was signing I told them to get lost she told them to get lost and then they slapped her with a two and a half grand invoice for doing absolutely sod all so please 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 Avoid that company. Do not entertain their phone call. Do not sign anything under any circumstances because it is a load of balls. Okay, we've had conversations with this company before. I've had to block them on my mobile because they were really rude and abusive. And they keep ringing me because obviously everyone gives them my name and I keep telling them to get lost. Um, And then obviously we've just had another one come up um, on the group. So please, 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 do not entertain that conversation. You are not going to get thousands of pounds for nothing. Okay, they don't tell you the full story, so please just do not sign anything. If you have had conversations with this company, then give me a call, but please, 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 please avoid zeal at all costs. If you also look on Companies House, they've changed their company like four or five times. It's a load of bollocks. So please just don't fall foul of that and end up getting an invoice for them doing that. a high-pressure sales company and all of the reviews that you look at is the high-pressure sales. Yeah, that's just really bad. And, you know, they're telling, oh, you're a kennels. Well, you're not. You're a home boarder. It's not a commercial kennels. But, you know, they don't care about that. So just please... What they're praying on is that they're looking to claim your house as a commercial premises and when when you talk commercial premises when you start to put in heating systems carpets laminate flooring those things are all become allowable expenses and what they're looking to do is to claim for those items in your house and 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 claim that it's all business use and that your personal use of it is incidental but if you live in your home, how how is it incidental? It, it's you know it, it is your home. You're there all the time, um, and that's and that's the problem um, is that they may not necessarily be completely honest at the front end mm-hmm. to get you to sign up, 
and then the payouts at the back end might not be as big as what they claimed. And then you're in the position then where you've declared that your house is a business, which then may fall into the capital gains aspect when you come to sell it. And if you can dispose of any of the items that they've claimed for. So there's there's lots, there's lots to it. And from my understanding that they they actually do very little work and get your accountant involved um, from the research that we've been doing, which is why we've told them in no certain terms to go forth and multiply. Yeah, uh, I wasn't as polite uh, on the last phone call that I had them. As you can imagine, he got a couple of expletives and told to leave my clients alone. Um, right. Now, I think we've covered that on the utility side. I think there's a few more questions on that. So what we want to do very quickly um, is add on a couple of things. Um, one, our fees as accountants and bookkeepers are an allowable expense. There's a few people out there that don't realise um, that it is, and we, we are an allowable expense. Um, it, it's a bit more technical than that, but we haven't got time to go into that, but basically we are. Um, Lee wanted to mention children. Yes. Yeah. Get them working. Yeah, get them working. So, yeah, <laughs> so th- there is some benefits if we have got some kids out there on summer holidays and things. Uh, very quickly, Lee, just talk people through yeah. that. If you have children that's over the age of 13, but younger than 16, and they help you with parts of your business and you pay them pocket money, that pocket money can be an allowable expense. Um, Now, it's really important that it's recorded and that you do put it through your business and they do receive the money. You can't obviously (laughs) say that you've you've paid little Jimmy 20 grand to go and wash your car. (laughs) So um, it has to be proportionate for the job role. Um, But again, it's if if you do have children, and again, they have to be over 13 uh, and, and, and less than 16. And the reason I say less than 16 is because once they have a national insurance number and if you pay them more than £123 a week or if they have another job, then it's got to be operated through a payroll scheme and you have to report it to mm-hmm. HRC. But as long as they're under the age of 16, don't have another job, paid, and then you can pay them what you want within reason. And again, it's an allowable expense. So is there a cap on that? So... Oh, you've just got to be reasonable. Reasonable. <laughs> reasonable. I'm going to pay my child £1,000 a week um, <laughs> to take my dog for a walk. But no, that's and it's a really good one because a lot of people out there do have kids and, and summer holidays, um, the kids are bored, they have nothing to do. Then, you know, get them working for you, you know, take them on a dog walk, you know, help with the dog boarding, help with the grooming, you know, bathing the dog and everything. So that is a really, really good one. Um, the one that we're going to finish on, which is, again, one of those, well, it's not really a grey area, but it's just one that I don't really agree with. Um, again, like the clothing, if you're just joining us, then rewind to the beginning. Um, <laughs> we've had a bit of a debate on the old clothing issue. Um, I just think it's ridiculous, uh, which is, I think, of most HMRC things, to be honest. But um, the next one is courses. Now, this is doesn't matter whether you're a dog room or border, whatever you are, the courses issue is a bit of a grey area-ish. Um, do you want to explain what I mean, Lee, when I say grey area-ish? No, please, you do such a good job. No, no, no because I'll get passionate about it and be like, what a load of balls. <laughs> right. Okay, so again, not my opinion, just as as it's written from the HMRC rulebook 101. So basically... Um, if a business or, or, or person is to learn a new skill, 
where they haven't got any experience in that skill prior and it's new to the business and it allows the business to offer a new avenue or new service, then the initial training is not an allowable expense. Where the training costs do become allowable is where you are building on that knowledge and continuing your professional development. So refresher courses, um, you know, updating your knowledge and just maintaining it. Those courses are an allowable expense. So it's difficult in the dog grooming and walking world because I think me and Vicky's agreed that if you've done something in the past with, with grooming dogs and then you undertake the course, then you can claim for the course as an allowable expense because it's building on knowledge that you had. <laughs> if you can't see us on the podcast, then you need to watch the video. And, you know, we've had this conversation with groomers, especially, you know, I'm doing my grooming course, it's like five grand. And I'm like, have you groomed dogs before? Oh, yeah, I've, you know, I've groomed some dogs before. Well, okay, well, now you're adding on to your original skill and it's refreshing your knowledge of how to groom a dog. If we have someone that comes to us and says, you know, I used to be a nurse for 20 years and now I've decided to be a dog groomer. I've never groomed a dog before in my life. I'm doing my course next week. Then obviously there is no gray area there. It's just going to be an absolute no. So like I said, it's one of those where, you know, you've got to be willing to justify it and and prove that you have done the dog training prior, um, you know, or all these other courses that are available for the various different professions, you know. I'm just going to add in there because we, we talk about these courses and we just assume that somebody's going to rock up to a hall somewhere and do a course. If there's something that you want to go and do that does build on your knowledge and it's in another country and you're going specifically for that course, you can claim for the flights, you can claim for your hotels, you can claim for your meals uh, and you can claim for the course. If you then took, like say the course of four days, and you took a day out to, to relax, to, to have a little bit of time away um, and used it for sightseeing, the, time, the day that you were away was incidental and therefore the entire course and, and travel is allowable as an expense. If you planned a holiday and you was there for two weeks and you went somewhere one day for an hour as a, to, like, because you were doing a little bit of training, the training is incidental and none of the, the travel is allowable. So if it's planned right, you can actually put a trip away to another country for a seminar as an allowable expense. So there are ways around it. But like recently we had somebody that tried to put a trip to a zoo through to claim it. <laughs> it wasn't so much a zoo, but I won't, I won't say exactly where it was. Um, but then tried to claim that it was professional development you know it built on their understanding of some of the animals um, <laughs> we're not stupid uh, you know that just simply didn't fly and it was it even was- I wouldn't even I wouldn't put that through <laughs> and I'm pretty generous you know you know your Tesco big shops and going to the zoo isn't going to fly yeah. with me either but um so just on that note um in a, in a couple of months time me and Leah holding a seminar in Spain <laughs> yeah. it's four days long it's uh <laughs> <laughs> if you want to join, it's fully allowable. It's going to be four days of talking about business and finance. And if we happen to have a trip to the zoo in the middle, it's incidental, so we're all fine. Or a trip to a bar and have loads of cocktails. 
There we go. Who fancies if business and finance seminar abroad? Because I do, and it'll be fully allowable. So I think we should do it. Uh, maybe, you know, a few. Kimmy's <laughs> put you two crack me up. I don't know. <laughs> we should be a comedy duo. But saying that, who fancies four days in Spain? Let's make some, let's make a, a seminar out there. There's got to be other people in here that can offer some services. We can have a grooming seminar. We can have business. We can have finance. Let's have a, a business, a pet business trip to Spain. If you're in, like the video, let me know. We'll get it organised. And at least that training will be liable and we can have a holiday at the same time. Kimmy's in. Heidi's in. Right, let's do it. I'm doing it. Just You heard it here first. We're off to Spain. Yeah, if you want to be a guest speaker, it's got to be at least four days to make it worth it and get a tan. In July, uh, let's do it. Flights, we'll go business class. Why not? It's in. Um, right, uh, Tegan's in, Leanne's in, I mean, everyone's in, Fiona's in. Right, there we go. Everyone's in, I'm doing it. You, you think I'm laughing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to organise it. Best expense, yes. <laughs> Best expense, yeah. We're doing it. Oh, how about Vegas? That'll be fun. Uh, we could do a seminar at Vegas. I'm in, <laughs> right. I am going to organise, I'm doing it, I'm telling you. I'm going to do it in the background and see. Uh, we'll do a Spanish retreat. The Pet Business Spanish Retreat. Uh, leave it with me, girls, and we will get it sorted. <laughs> Literally, everyone's everyone's in. I'll update my dog training so I can talk about that. Dog trainers will have anybody. Anyone that wants to hold a seminar, it's got to be at least four days. We're in. Right. Uh, on that note, uh, we're going to leave it uh, for tonight. I, I, I haven't forgotten the person that wanted us to chat about deposits. Um, we will do a separate one on that. Maybe I'll, I'll just get lead. Very, very quickly, if you want. Oh, go on then. You've got yeah, a few minutes. I'll, a couple of minutes. So, so when you take a deposit, um, it really depends if the deposit is refundable or non-refundable. If it's a non-refundable deposit, you have to declare it as sales there and then. If the deposit is refundable, then you have to have it in a holding account in your accounts in the liability section, i.e., you owe that person either their money back or the service that they eventually will have. Once they have that service, it then comes out of the liability pot and declared as sales. So nice and straightforward. Deposit is non-refundable. It's classed as sales. If it is refundable, it has to get shown separate in your accounts as a liability that you still owe somebody that money until you deliver the service or return the deposit. Fabulous. If that didn't answer your question, just let us know and we'll go through it in a bit more detail. Um, and like I said, every time, if there's any topics that you guys want us to chat about, um, then we will just put it in the group or DM us or email us and say, look, you know, we're confused about how to do cars or vans. And we will sit down and we will do it for you. Okay. These like in brackets, like who they'd want to answer, they can go the nice one or the strict one. Yeah, if you want really good answers, come to me. If you want really boring, strict answers, go to Lee. Um, He's a a party pooper every time. Um, But no, if anything you want us to do, then just let us know. We do these lives for you guys. You know, we we take time out of our day to come and do them for free. We give you all this information, so use it. You know, there's not many accountants out there that will do it. So anything that you want us to chat about, we will. 
I am going to put a poll on the group about our Spanish retreat and see who's in. I'm going to find some really good guest speakers. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have it. I'm going to be the first pet business. There was one in the Bahamas on a bloody cruise ship. You've just won me over. <laughs> there was a cruise ship going around the bloody Bahamas or something. So why not? You know, I'm doing it. We're in. Um, but yes, any topics you want us to do, let us know. Um, if you want to chat to us about your accounts, then again, just drop us an email or DM us. Um, and we'll go from there. Right. Um, oh, I'm getting told there's I'm getting told there's too much energy on this thing and it might shut me down. Oh god, I don't want to get banned again. So I'm gonna go. <laughs> I, I don't want to be in Facebook jail again. Oh Heidi went on that. Heidi, I'm gonna hit you up. I'm gonna speak to you. Maybe you could be one of our speakers. I think that'd be good. Right. Uh, I'm gonna leave it there. This will be live. This will be able to watch in the group and on the podcast. If you listen to this on playback, please type in Spanish retreat on the group on an interest human who's involved. I'm doing it. Um have a good week and I will speak to you all and they'll speak to you all next week. Okay. When oh hang on. We're at Crofts. What's our topic? What's the, oh we're at Crofts. We're at yes, Crofts. I'm saying well, they won't be live next week because we'll be at Crofts. So if you want to come and see us, we are whole one, stand 62. Come and pick our brains. We've got lots of freebies to give away. Um, and we can see if we can make Lee smile and give us something rather than say no to everything. So come and see us, Hall 1, Stand 62. We'll be there all week. And yeah, come and just come say hello. All right, guys, take care, everyone. Have a good week. And we'll hopefully see you next week at Gruffs. Take care, all. all right, take all care. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed my podcast, don't forget to subscribe for me. And if you want to speak to me, please visit my website at www.petaccountant.co.uk. And if you'd like to join my Facebook group, which is full of like-minded pet professionals, then search Accounting for Pet Professionals in Facebook and I will see you there.